Welcome to Stories with a Twang. I'm Nathan. Today's episode is called I Don't Want to Be Next by Signed, Sealed, Delivered. I first noticed that something was wrong when Cynthia showed up at my door on a rainy Thursday night. Can I spend the night here? She'd asked without preamble. I remember looking at her pallid complexion, the pink and reddish tint behind her eyes and her nose and thinking, whoa, she really needs this. I let her in, ushered her to the sofa and excused myself to make her a cup of tea, chamomile. I remember choosing, thinking that she probably really needed something to calm her nerves. She followed me into the kitchen and hovered nervously by my side as I made the tea. I waited until we were back in the living room with her tucked under some warm throws and sipping on the hot tea before I asked, Are you okay? Her eyes immediately brimmed with tears and I caught a heart-wrenching look of vulnerability and helplessness. I caught the terrible fear tainting her expression too. I just need to not be alone right now, she said, looking down at her tea, her lower lip quivering. Is anyone hurting you? I couldn't help but ask. I didn't know Cynthia that well. We were neighbors who exchanged pleasantries and she had invited me over for her housewarming when she moved in three months ago. That was it. So I was pretty sure that something really serious must have happened for her to just have showed up on my doorstep asking to spend the night here. She just sat there, still, except for the tears that kept dribbling down her cheeks. I decided to let it be. She obviously wasn't ready to talk about whatever was bothering her, so it was probably best that I give her some space for the time being. She insisted on sleeping in the same room and declined to take the bed, instead opting for a rather uncomfortable setup on my bedroom floor, consisting of my sofa cushions, a pillow, and a blanket. That night, I struggled to fall asleep. I was used to my privacy and I didn't know what to do about having someone lying there on the floor. I closed my eyes and tried to sleep, but I couldn't help hearing Cynthia's muffled sobs beneath the blanket. My heart went out to her. Whatever she was going through, it must be bad. I think I fell asleep around 2am, but I didn't sleep well. I startled awake sometime in the night and lay there in fear for a second hearing the sound of someone else being in the same room as I was, before I remembered that Cynthia was there. As I let out a quiet sigh of relief, I heard her mumbling, an urgent, desperate whisper that tore at the silence, soft though it was. I strained my ears and held my breath to try to make out what she was saying. It took a minute or so, but I was soon certain of the words she was muttering determinately under her breath. I don't see you. You can't make me. You can't touch me. You can't hurt me. She was repeating those words over and over again. Someone has been hurting her, I thought frowning. An abusive partner, perhaps? Poor girl probably had to hide from them tonight to protect herself. I felt my anger rising before I realized that there was no point getting angry without even being certain of what was going on. I lay in bed, listening to her, no longer even trying to fall back asleep. At some point, the fervent utterances changed. Stop touching me. Leave me alone. Stop it. Stop it. Her tone turned hysterical and her volume rose. I couldn't ignore it any longer. I sat up and switched on the bedside lamp and turned to look at Cynthia. 
My heart froze as I saw what looked like a pale, bony hand on her back. I choked back a scream, turning away in horror and disbelief, then looked again. There was nothing there. Her black shirt did have a patch of white on the back, what looked like an accidental sun-bleaching incident from leaving her shirt out in the sun for too long. I breathed out a huge sigh of relief, a bubble of nervous laughter nearly escaping my throat before I forced it back down. Her fear was getting to me, playing tricks on my eyes. Cynthia, are you okay? I saw her startle and freeze up under the blankets. There was a long silence. Uncomfortable. I spoke up again. I'm here if you need me, alright? No response for a while, then I made out her head nodding beneath the blanket. Okay, I'll be going back to sleep. Would you like me to keep the light on? Her head bobbed again beneath the blanket. Alright then. Good night, Cynthia. Everything's going to be okay. My words sounded empty and ineffectual, even to myself. I sighed softly, then turned away and tried to go back to sleep, pulling the covers over my face to block out the light. After that night, Cynthia didn't drop by anymore, but I popped by her place to check on her from time to time, just to make sure she was alright, and that no one was around trying to hurt her. She seemed frailer and sicker by the day, but declined to see a doctor no matter how many times I urged her to. I was worried for her, but my life was getting hectic at that time so I didn't really have much time to dwell on it, beyond showing up once in a while with some muffins and whatnot. But one day, I was awoken in the middle of the night by the sounds of someone screaming and the voices of two men. I sprung out of bed, grabbed the baseball bat by my bed for good measure and ran to the door, flinging it open, bat up and ready. I was greeted by the sight of Cynthia screaming and struggling with two police officers who were trying their best to calm her down. One of the police officers was restraining her as gently as he could, saying firmly, Ma'am, there's nothing there. No one is here. You're safe. They all turned to look at me as I charged into the hallway holding my baseball bat. We stared at each other in confusion and surprise for a moment before I immediately lowered the bat. I didn't want to get shot or something. Is everything okay here? Cynthia, what's going on? I asked, placing my bat on the floor. She's here. She's trying to take over. She's trying to hurt me. Make me do things I don't want to do. Cynthia's wails were raked through with a frenzied terror that shot chills down my spine. Do you know her? Look, please tell her there's no one here. She made a police report about some lady showing up in her home, threatening her and hurting her, but there's no one here. She's right there. Oh God, why can't you see her? Why can't anyone see her? Cynthia screamed and pointed at nothing, at thin air. Her screams rattled me to the core and I shuddered, then looked Cynthia in the eyes. Cynthia, please, there's really no one there. There's just... Cynthia looked at me for a second before turning away and letting loose with what I can only describe as a howl of helpless horror. I had no idea what to do, I just stared at the chaos unfolding, standing there with my mouth open and closing, unsure what to say. Please, 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 tell me you see her. Cynthia's voice settled down into a low, husky plea. I looked at where she was pointing, frazzled, and was about to tell her again that there was nothing there when I saw it. The translucent, almost transparent form of an old lady began to trace its outline into the air. I paused, feeling the world come to a screeching halt as she seemed to shimmer into existence. 
I say old lady, but this was no old lady I'd ever seen. She was standing, facing me, head on, dressed in an old floral garb, one of those you often see on grannies and TV shows set in the 80s, just floral and pastel and innocuous. Her face, though, was far from innocuous. She didn't have eyes. I mean, she had eye sockets, but that was it. Just two empty holes that seemed drilled into her face. They weren't bloody, just empty eye sockets that seemed to have healed over and dried up. Her nose was just a gash on her face, right in the middle of that gaunt, almost skeletal face. I say almost because there was flesh alright, and skin, but not how you would expect healthy flesh and skin to be. This was graying, ashy skin stretched over bones. Her mouth was odd, like a child's depiction of how a mouth should look like. Two oddly formed, tightly knit lips that were slapped onto her withered face. She seemed to be looking right into my soul with her eye sockets. I think I was frozen in place for too long for Cynthia to suddenly jerking me out of my horrified silence with a yell tinged with hope. You see her too! The cops turned to look at me as I stared, transfixed at that wretched creature before me. I could feel the blood draining from my face and static begin to crowd the corners of my vision. I tried to speak, but my lips had gone dry and my tongue felt too big for my mouth. You see her too, right? Tell them! Tell them you see her too! Cynthia cried. Then that creature smiled. Or at least I think she, or rather it, tried to pulling the corners of its lips apart, stretching the lips such that a part of its skin tore. Then it put a finger on its lips. I wanted to scream, I wanted to start running, but an unearthly cold wave enveloped me. And suddenly, I just knew. I knew that if I were to point it out, if I were to say or do anything to highlight its presence, it would come for me. I stood there, in limbo, for what felt like an eternity. I looked at the hope welling up in Cynthia's eyes, her desperation written on her face, then at the cops who were beginning to look a little unsettled. Then I looked at its face. It continued to smile and hold a finger to its lips. Then it tilted its head as if curious about what decision I'd make. I don't know how, but it made its intentions crystal clear. I knew it in my bones right then and there that if I betrayed its existence, I would be next. I knew what I had to do, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. I forced a confused look upon my face and looked away from that creature straight at Cynthia, with both cops watching me closely. I I'm sorry, Cynthia, there's really no one there. I really tried to look, there's no one. I saw the bubble of hope on Cynthia's face burst and watched as her expression crumbled into one of despair rage, and terror. It broke my heart. I nearly teared up, but I held them back. No! You! You saw her! I saw your face! You saw her! I know it! Tell them! Tell them! Cynthia began kicking and screaming again. The cops looked relieved. I think for a moment they might have sensed something there or saw from my face that something could possibly have been there. With my denial, they had the go-ahead to go right back to the life they knew, to the facts of the world that they were certain of. I'm sorry, Cynthia. I'm so sorry, I said and turned away from her. I grabbed my baseball bat and went back to my apartment, closing the door behind me.
The commotion lasted for a long ten minutes or so before I heard some other personnel arrive at the scene, perhaps medics, and they carried her away screeching and wailing, directing occasional insults at me, insults like traitor, coward, liar. I just listened wordlessly, filled with shame and gripped with an unbreakable dread until everything fell silent again. Cynthia was released from the psychiatric ward a few months later. I ran into her on the way out one day and she simply walked by me, only the stiffening of her spine letting me know she had seen me. She was a pale, thin mass. She looked so sick. I wondered why the psych ward had released her. Maybe she had claimed to no longer see that creature around anymore, pretending that she was mentally unwell but all recovered now. I turned to call to her to apologize, to say something, anything, when I saw it again. The malformed old lady. It was following her, walking so close to her its head was right above her left shoulder. It turned its head a full 180 to face me, its neck obviously not restricted by the physical limits humans faced. Then it smiled again, tearing yet another rip into its lips, and it held up a finger once more. I ground to a halt, suddenly all hollowed out yet brimming with a vicious fear. I walked away from her once again, literally turning my back on her. I still see Cynthia sometimes, though less and less so. She hardly seems to leave her apartment nowadays. In fact, I haven't seen her for a whole week, and the mail at her mailbox is piling up and spilling over. I know I should go and check on her, but I can't. I feel like I almost physically can't. I think of taking those few steps next door and my body freezes up. I honestly do not know what to do. I'm thinking of just moving, putting Cynthia out of my mind forever, to suppress the guilt, shove it down so hard that it curls up into a ball and rolls to the back corner of my mind, where it can stay buried under tons of distractions. I know that what I've done, what I will keep doing, it will weigh on me for the rest of my life. It will be the one thing I'm ashamed of, that I can't shake. But I don't have a choice, do I? What could I have done? What can I do? I don't want to be next. Alright everyone, that's it for this week's story. I hope you all really enjoyed it. I would like to give a giant thank you to Sign Sealed Delivered for another incredible story. If you have any stories you would like me to read on the show, you can send them over to storieswithatwang at gmail.com. The podcast is on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Stories with a Twang Podcast. It would mean an awful lot if you could rate and review the show wherever you listen, and don't forget to share with your friends and family as well. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and until next time, remember that a little twang goes a long way.